All right, welcome back to the latest episode of Disjointed Thoughts. I'm your host, Rob, and this is going to be a special bonus episode, special episode, um, whatever episode you want to call it. This is just going to be me uh, talking and going through my fight that I had with COVID that started all the way back on April 4th, and theoretically, it's still going on today. Um, I want to be able to talk about it. I've talked to a lot of people about it. I feel like it's the thing that I talk about the most whenever I talk to anybody, but it's also a question that I get the most. And I feel like I have things that I just want to talk about and get off my chest, I guess. I don't know. I feel like this would just be a good episode to put out there. Maybe somebody that doesn't know me in my personal life would be able to hear it, um, and be able to take something from it. Um, maybe I'll learn something. Maybe, I don't know. But that's what this week's episode is going to be. This bonus episode. This special episode. That's what we'll call it. We're going to call it a special episode. So, a little bit of background information going into this episode is... Um, I did work at an assisted living facility. Um, I was a maintenance uh, manager there. And I'm having a hard time remembering when they started to lock people down from not being able to come into the building. I want to say it was probably three weeks prior, so maybe around like the second to third week of March possibly. But um, I don't really remember, but I do know it was for at least two weeks. And the thing with what they did... Um, I don't want to say they didn't handle it properly, but I want to say that I certainly know that there was a lot of situations that I was put in that didn't make me feel comfortable with what was going on. Um, situations where I was put to be face to face with people. So they shut the the building down. Nobody was allowed to come in. Nobody was allowed to go out without being tempted and all this stuff. Um, but one of the things that started to happen is, is when people passed away or people died or moved, people passed away or people died. It's the same exact thing. I guess it just depends on the way you want to go about talking about it. When people would either die or move out, they uh, typically were able to hire a company. Uh, the family would come in and pack everything up, get things moved out. But when COVID started at the beginning of March, um, they started to do away with that. So it was maintenance's job and other people's people's job in the building to get things packed up, um, which was okay. It, it was what it was. But the thing that wasn't okay was that they didn't want anybody coming in. Uh, people, they were freaking out about the safety and the well-being of people getting COVID by you know, tracking it in. But what didn't make sense is that I was forced to take things outside and go face to face with people without a face mask that was offered to me at that time. It was not. Um, I did have gloves, but as we're learning now, face masks are a big part in helping the spread. But again, this was early on. Um, I would put stuff in people's cars. Um, I would, like I said, come face to face with just people that they didn't want to come into the building. That 
didn't make sense to me because A, they were sending me outside to go face to face and talk to people. My body was going into people's vehicles. I was breathing the air that they were breathing. I was just all around that stuff. But yeah, I was coming back into the building. Didn't make sense to me. It was almost like the whole fact that we do the tracing stuff or the social distancing for the fact being that if I'm near you, I'm near everybody that you're around. And therefore, I am now, I still, I have all of your, I don't know, particles, whatever you want to call it, Anya. But again, this was the beginning of everything. Um, we used to get shipments of food brought in for the residents that lived there. Um, we didn't allow that company to come into the building anymore to deliver all that food. So I volunteered. Well, I was asked actually if I would be willing to come in and I was okay with it because I was newly brought in as a manager, um, worked for the company for three and a half years, but I was newly made manager. And it was just, I felt like I had to say yes because it would, it was allowing me to show that I was a team player. So for two, actually three times. So for three weeks, I came in and I uh, helped the this company pack up the stuff onto a cart. I'd go downstairs and I would come back and forth multiple times. Um, the weird thing about that is, is because I was already in close proximity to them, and they were in close proximity to me, they might as well have just came in because I was them. It just didn't make sense. Again, this was all new to everybody. But, yeah. So there's the background information about um, where I worked and what was going on leading up to that. Now, up to the date that I found out that I may be getting sick. Um, I know that me and my family were social distanced. About, we started about the third week of March, or whenever the state of Ohio did their orders. We social distanced. We didn't go to grocery stores. We would shift everything. Uh, we'd have everything delivered to our house. Um, and it was our way of staying away from people and doing our part and not getting us sick, as well as the people around us that we cared about sick. Um, during the time that we were doing that, we were... Let me think. What am I getting at with this? So we were social distancing. What's going on now? So you're going to have, as this conversation goes on, I know it's going to be very scattered brain, but that's because a lot of the earlier stuff, it's just hard for me to remember some of it, but I'm going to do my best to tell it as accurately as possible. Um, so after that, let me think, is there any other background information? I don't think so. So I worked in an assisted living facility. I was around people at my job that I probably shouldn't have had to and have been around. Um, and I don't think there's any more background that I need to get into. So the morning of April 4th, I wake up and I feel like a truck has just slammed into my body. I am sore from my toes to my head. Um, I have a little cough and I am extremely tired. 
I didn't wake up exactly late. I want to say I woke up at like 4.45 in the morning. So I thought that maybe I just didn't get enough sleep the night before. I don't remember when I went to bed. Um, But I know that I was, I just felt like a truck hit me. I was tired. I had a small cough. Um, The day went on and I started to, as the day went on, I started to feel better. So I just thought to myself that I'm just exhausted from work. Um, I've been doing a little bit more, doing things that I'm not used to doing. Um, Woke up the morning of April 5th, same thing again. Felt like I was hit by a truck. Um, Thought to myself, well, as the day goes on, I'm going to start to feel better. That didn't happen. Um, Halfway through the day, I started to feel worse. I started to feel a lot more achy, a lot more just like garbage. So I ended up taking my temperature, and I remember it was very, very low. It was like 99, but I had a temperature, and typically I run between like 97.8 to 98.2, 98.3. That's my normal temperature. I hit 99. Instantly, I'm in a panic in my head. I'm like, I got COVID. This sucks. Um, I don't want it because of all the things that we were seeing on the news, specifically like in New York. Um... I have a history of like bronchitis. I have asthma. So I already feel like my lungs aren't the greatest. So if I do get this, what the heck's going to happen to me? So I end up getting a hold of my work, telling them I have a fever. They tell me not to come in. Um, They helped set me up with a COVID test, which I had to wait. I think it was until Wednesday. So I isolated, I self-quarantined on April 5th, April 6th, and April 7th. Um, I felt like garbage during this time. Uh, I was still capable of, like, watching TV, playing on my phone. I was playing Xbox uh, both of those days. I didn't feel the worst, um, but I felt like garbage. Uh, April 8th, I ended up having to leave the house first time I went outside. Um... And I took my test to see if I was positive. Worst experience, like test-wise ever. They stuck just what like a like a hook thing down my throat, my nose to my throat, spun it in a circle. Fifteen seconds, I think it was fifteen seconds one nostril, fifteen seconds the other nostril. It was horrible. It hurt so bad. Um, went back home and. Woke up the next morning with a phone call that said, yes, you have tested positive. Um, Told me to make sure I self-quarantine. If things get worse, uh, make sure that I go to the emergency room. Everything that everybody else hears on the news to do. Um, So I instantly get struck with fear. But then I started to feel better. Not physically, but mentally better. Because it's like, hey... I'm already, in my opinion, on day, what would it be? One, two, three, four, five, day six. I'm day six because I backtracked and knew that I started to feel crappy on the fourth, and it's already the ninth, and I'm still home, and I'm coughing, but I'm not coughing horribly. I'm able to go to the restroom. I'm able to do everything I want um, and not 
feel horrible about it. So I go to bed April 9th and I wake up the 10th and I don't even want to watch TV. I don't even think I could watch TV. I remember just laying in the room, staring at the wall. I don't think I touched my phone. I I don't remember eating that day. I know I was drinking. Drinking was something that I could do. I lost my sense of taste. Um, I know that if I would go to the bathroom, it was super hard to get up and like, so even if I had to take a pee, actually, I think I sat down, if I remember right, because it was just hard for me to just focus on what I had to do because I was in so much, like, like my body was so sore and I would get out of breath. Um, come Saturday, April 11th, that's when my wife realized somewhere, I don't know, it had to have been around noon. I don't remember the times. But on April 11th, um, she noticed that I wasn't looking right. My skin looked like a different color. Um, She called a friend of hers who works in an emergency room. I think she works in an emergency room. This is where it'd be good to have her, right? But she's not here, and she doesn't need to be here. Um, And she just called a friend that worked in a hospital, um... And I don't know if she convinced her to that it was time for me to go at least get checked up or not. But my wife came to me and started to tell me, hey, you know, I don't think you look good. We need to get you checked. Um, I know I was fighting with her about it because I don't want to go to the hospital. You know, what what started as, oh, at least you're not like other people that are in the hospital is turning into, well, I think we need to take you to the hospital. I think... I think it's time that you go get checked. And this is day seven now for me. And in my head with everything I knew, it was, well, you got you get it for 14 days and you start to feel better. And if I could just hold out another seven days, everything will be great, right? I mean, why, why do I need to go do this? But, you know, I succumbed to what she wanted. She took me to the hospital. Um, and that's where things kind of start to take a downward spiral a little bit, a lot of it. <laughs> um, I go in and they drop me off at the amp day, as in she, my wife drops me off at the ambulance bay at the hospital that she takes me to. And um, I don't know what I was thinking, but I was kind of shocked that she wasn't able to come in with me. I remember thinking to myself, oh, this sucks. But I also thought that she'd be outside waiting for me because I didn't think I was going to get admitted. You know, she knew I was. She She's a lot smarter than me. It was more, I don't want to say knowledgeable, but she, she was a lot more with it than I was at that time. Um, I went in and I remember, you know, they asked me how I felt and I was sore. And I had a cough, but I, I felt okay. And they put the... Pulse ox, pulse ox, whatever, finger on me. And I think I was reading 86. And as soon as they saw that it was reading 86, they said, okay, we're going to have to admit you. And instantly I'm like, fuck, okay. This is okay. I'll be out in three to five days. Um, they put me on either two or three liters of oxygen 
it wasn't a lot, and that was able to take me up to like 96, 97. Um, so at this point, I am getting ready to be admitted into my room. I don't know what's going on. They put me in my room, and a nurse comes in and goes over about how they're only going to come in my room two to four times a day, um, unless if there's an emergency. Um, they have to completely gown up and gown down when they leave. And I remember asking, how long do you think I'll be in here? And they said, typically people are in here for five to six days with this. And then, you know, they get better and they get out. And so that put a little bit of hope in me because I was admitted at 86. And I just thought, man, I'm not that bad. But I was. I later found out that it was it was just the beginning. Um, I remember they took x-rays of me. That first day, uh, all the blood work and everything that they could, and a lot of things that came back showed that I had A, I had double pneumonia, which means I had pneumonia in both of my lungs, full pneumonia in both lungs, and on top of the pneumonia, it was COVID in there, which is almost like a, the way they explained it to me, it just looks like sawdust, or it just, it, that's just kind of the way they said, this way they interpreted that it looks like on the x-rays when they see it. So my lungs were, they were effed up. Um, I think I woke up the next day, and it's Sunday, and I asked the same question. I think I asked every day, hey, when am I going home? When am I going home? Well, I didn't ask that every day. I think I asked it until that Monday after, which would be April 13th. Um, That Sunday, I felt okay. Um, I was happy I was in the hospital, but I was sad because I wanted to be home. It was Easter. I was missing Easter, but I was also happy because I knew that I was getting, you know, the help that I needed and I was optimistic. I think I went from five liters to six liters on. So I was admitted on two or three Sunday. I moved to five looking through and where I'm getting a lot of this information from is I'm going through the text between me and my wife that we had. Um, And that Monday, it looks like I went up to six liters of oxygen. And come Monday, I start to feel horrible. Um, I've had now, come that Monday, which would have been April the 13th, I am now going on day uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, day 10 of having a fever of over 100 degrees. Um, I'm tired. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to eat anything. I think the last time I ate was on April 9th, April 8th. It was April 8th was the last time I ate. Because I remember the last thing I ate, um, I ate KFC. Because my wife got me KFC for me after my COVID test was done. She picked up KFC for me. So the last time I ate was April 8th. So I'm going on day one, two, three, four, five of not eating, and day like ten of having a fever of over 100. I'm I'm I don't have no energy. I'm exhausted. I can still drink. I'm drinking, but that's it. Um, that night, if I can remember right, and I don't have any text messages. Well, I do have one. So it is Monday. Monday night. No, it's. Yeah, it's Monday night. 
um, Monday night, April the 13th, they come into my room because at night, that night, my oxygen on six liters, I wasn't able to keep my oxygen above 80, I think it was 86 or 87 for my pulse ox. So that night, they threatened to, they told me that if I wasn't going to be able to keep my oxygen down, they were going to, not down, if I wasn't able to get my oxygen up and do a better job at breathing and being able to put oxygen into my body, that they were probably going to have to vent me in the morning. And I, I didn't get scared when they first told me that because I didn't know what venting even was. I I, I had no knowledge of it. And I, I, I remember I asked stupid questions like, well, does it hurt going down? Or, you know, am I able to talk? And the person that was talking to me told me, no, you know, we end up putting you in a controlled coma. I can't think of what the word is right now. Um, Anyways, they sedate me and they sedate you, whoever it is. And you don't even know what's going on for the most part, if you're lucky. Um, So they end up telling me that there's not much higher they can go for the oxygen I'm on, you know, six was it. So that was it with that. It was either I get my oxygen up or they go ahead and they vet me. I don't think that night I ever got above 90. If I remember right, I remember they were waking me up constantly. If I went below 90, I got woken up, I got talked to, and it was just on and off again for, I want to say for two nights. So on April 15th, they are still fighting with the idea that they're going to have to vent me. I'm being talked to about how, you know, this oxygen, you can't go this long. Um, I don't know what changed. I don't know how they, how the rules got changed, but they told me that they couldn't go over six. But then they came in with a rebreather mask for me. And told me that they could take me up slowly, but I would be able to go up as high as 15. And I don't know the steps that I don't remember. I don't know how the steps kind of worked, but I do know on April 16th, the day after the 15th, the day after they told me all this, I was put onto 15 liters of oxygen. And I stayed at 15 liters of oxygen between the 16th and the 22nd. So for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. No, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, so for seven days, I was on 15 liters of oxygen. During those seven days, I don't remember doing anything. Um, if you If I talk to my wife now, she told me that during those days, I would talk to her for maybe 30 seconds to a minute a day. I know I wasn't watching TV. I know I wasn't screwing around on my phone. I think all I did was lay on my stomach and stare at a wall all day and go in and out of sleep. Um, Those were the toughest days of me being in the hospital. Um, Getting up to go pee was horrible. Just the pain in your in your in in my lungs and the fact that it, it felt like somebody just put me to the deepest part of a pool held me underwater let go of me 
and you know, you know, I know when I go swimming in a pool, like if I jump off a diving board, it just feels like it takes forever to come back up over water. If you're not swimming, you know, you just kind of let your body bob up. It felt like it took forever. Um, so during that time, I, I, I see that I texted my wife like two words a day, but I, I, I can't, you know, I don't remember much of anything. Other than I was grateful to not be on event, and all I wanted to do was just lay there. Um, when they took me off the rebreather halfway through the 22nd, this is where my memory starts to kind of come back a little bit, and, and I have a pretty vivid idea of what was going on. Um, I I don't know when I started to eat, but I know that I remember starting to eat on the 22nd. I remember I had a burger with coleslaw. I didn't eat all of it, but I had like a couple bites of it. Now, there's no way that I went from April 8th to April 22nd without eating something, but I don't remember eating anything in between there. Um, I'm still on a high amount of oxygen. I, they took me off the rebreather and I'm doing six, but my oxygen, I know, is still dropping dramatically. Um, I'm purposely holding my pee and my poop because I'm afraid to get up because of the pain and how much out of breath you get just going to the restroom. Um, the 23rd and the 24th, they start to wean me down. I think I'm at three or four units of oxygen. And the 25th, they come to me and, you know, I'm, I'm fighting to try to get home. I want to go home. I'm on three to four oxygen. You know, I, I just had the fight of my life for that week, you know, on the 15 liters of oxygen. Um, I'm not sure how much longer it's going to be for me to be able to go home other than I've been there long enough and I want to see my family, you know, cause you're isolated. That's the, that was the crappy thing. And I, and for anybody that went through it, they know, um, you're isolated. You're by yourself. I'm seeing somebody three, four times a day. It's, it's nothing tangible. It's just, they're there to take care of you. They're there to get out because they want to keep themselves safe. You know, I, I, I owe a lot to the staff of the hospital that I was at. They were, they were extremely nice to me. They did all they could and they, and, and that the, the, they could, but it's, it's not the human interaction that you want. And so I'm on, it's April 25th and I am now on three weeks of isolation, you know, crazy by myself and I'm not sure how the conversation started for me to be able to go home um one I okay I do know how the conversation started I was begging I wanted to go home but I'm not sure what finally convinced them that it would be okay for me to try to go home. 
I know, um, okay, I think I just screwed that whole thing up. Now that I'm thinking back, on April 24th, April, All right, so I was getting discombobulated there. Um, looking through the text messages, I saw that on April 24th, they did a test to see how much oxygen I would need at night um, to be able to go home. So they were planning on trying to let me go home on the 25th, but um, they needed to do a few tests just to see where I'd be at because the consensus was is that I was going home on oxygen, which I did but they didn't know how much oxygen I would need. And if the oxygen was too great for the for me to be able to need, they weren't gonna be able to send me home. So I remember they took my mask off and I had to lay in bed for as long as I could and keep my oxygen up. That didn't last very long. I think they took it off and I instantly started to destat within within seconds. I dropped into like the low 80s, mid 80s, I needed, uh, I think it was eight units. No, five. It's either, it was not eight. That's stupid. Because the machine that I have at home only goes to five. So yeah, it was five units. It was what I needed to be at night to be able to keep my oxygen up as I was just resting at night. So the next day comes and it's April 25th. And they tell me that it's go home day. Um, they just need to get everything in order and make sure that I'm going to be okay to send me home. And they throw this big wrench in my way. So from approximately April 8th through 9th, well, I started a quarantine on April 5th at home. So I self quarantined from April 5th until I got admitted into the hospital on April 11th. So from April 5th to the 11th, I was self quarantined, but on April 5th, 6th, 7th, and the majority of eight, I was able to get up and move around in the room just to keep active. But starting April 9th, I did bare minimum, literally just lay down, go to the bathroom, lay down, go to the bathroom. So from April 9th until now, the date would be April 25th, I would take 50 to 75 steps a day if. I mean, that's, that's probably too many steps. Because I know when I got into the hospital, it took me three to four steps just to get to the bathroom. And there was days that I would purposely not go to the bathroom. I would hold it because of how much it hurt to go to the bathroom in my lungs and the breath that I would lose. So on April 25th, they tell me that I need to be able to get up and walk um, for a minute without dropping below. I think it was 90. And the amount of oxygen that I was allowed to be on, they wanted to start at three and they wouldn't be able to go above five. And that wasn't going to happen. I did the test. I failed it horribly. Um, couldn't understand why. I'm starting to feel better. Obviously, I'm not better, but I'm starting to feel better. Um, until one of the nurses talked to me about how, you know, I haven't even been able to get up and walk. Like, it, it's not going to happen that quick. So they suggested to me that I take the day and walk as much as I can in my room, you know, because all I could do is walk in my hospital room by myself because I wasn't allowed to leave. 
And uh, I did that. I would get up and walk, and if I destatted, they would page me and tell me, oh, you, you know, your, your, your levels are too low, blah, blah, blah. I worked really hard that day. Um, so now it's April 26th. I'm ready to go. I need to go. I've been in the hospital since April 11th. Um, I'm weak and tired this day because I walked probably five to 600 steps on the 25th, which, you know, it's not a lot, but man, that was crazy a lot for me then. Um, make this long story about the 26th short. I had them switch out the pulse ox that I was wearing to one that was better suited for an active person moving. Not just like a being still, but they put a pulse ox on me that like taped up my finger, kept it from jingling around. I don't know. And so then I was able to, I passed. I barely passed, but I passed. Um, I was able to keep my pulse ox over 90, at 90 actually. I don't want to say over 90. Um, I dropped to 89 for like two seconds and I was able to recover fairly quick. Pretty awesome. Super pumped going home on five units of oxygen, active, walking around, and I am going to be on three as I'm sitting in a chair. So, um, awesome. My journey is now complete. I am going home. It is April 26th, and I get to see my wife. I get to see my kids. Um, They play the music that they play for you, which was one of the worst parts of being in the hospital is once I became aware of what was going on, you would hear I I have the tiger, uh, Katy Perry, Katy Perry, uh, you got the eye of the, whatever that song is, Roar, I don't know. It's, it's not a bad song, but it became my most hated song at that time. Um, eye of the Fighter, Eye of the Tiger, Fighter, it doesn't matter, irrelevant, I could Google it right now, but I'm not going to. Um, Every time that song played, it meant somebody was going home from the COVID floor. And you would hear it played five or six times a day. And at first, I was just wondering, why are they playing this music? And then I asked the nurse once, and they told me, blah, blah, blah. And it just was horrible. Because I wanted to be one of those people. I wanted to go home. And I started to feel like I was never going to go home. I was getting depressed. I was anxious. I was had no hope of going home, but I, but I did, I got to go home April 26th. They play the song for me. I go outside. I see my wife and my kids, um, close friends of ours were out there to clap me out. I'm going home. It was a long, long journey. Um, and it hasn't stopped since then. Um, I, it took a while when I came home to be able, and I have no more dates. I, I'm just going to give rough, rough estimates about when I, things started to get better for me. Um, I came home on April 26th. For the first two weeks I was home, I did next to nothing. It was hard for me to get motivated to get up because now I'm home and I want to be me. And I typically would go out and I'd play baseball with my son and do stuff with my daughter, and I wasn't capable of doing that. I'm almost still not capable, 100%. Um, but for the first two weeks, I just did nothing. Uh, my wife 
told me that I, you know, I need to start doing things. She encouraged me, encouraged me. So I decided that I needed to learn how to breathe again. I needed to learn how to strengthen my lungs. So I signed up for DDP yoga, which I could do at home. And I, it, it was, they were like 25 minute ex, like workouts that you could do at your own pace, but I wasn't able to do it at first. Um, the first three to five days that I had it, I was only able to do three to five minutes worth of the exercises and then I'd be done for the day. Um, but what turned from three to five minutes quickly went to 10 minutes quickly went to, I was able to do a 25 minute workout in 35 minutes, but I was able to complete it. And that was fantastic. Um, my son, like I said, he plays baseball and he's on a travel team and I was released on April 26th and on May 22nd, no, May 29th, I think May 29th, he had his first travel ball game and I had to go with oxygen still. Um, I'm not able, I wasn't able to walk very far. I, I could sit without it on, but I couldn't walk very far or else my heart would start to tack and my oxygen would still destat to like 86, 85. Um, it's somewhere between May 29th and the third week of June that I can start to walk without oxygen. Um, I can't walk very fast. I couldn't walk um, with a purpose, but if I focused on my walk, I was able to stay off of oxygen, especially if it wasn't hot out. Um, I would my stats would be at like 92, 93. Um, but I was just thrilled to be off of it. I mean, that was just something I didn't think was going to happen. Um, about couple, what is it? This is July 16th now. So boom, boom. The fourth week of June, I start to realize that as long as I'm not doing physical assertion things, again, I can stay off the oxygen. I am starting to be able to do more, but I'm also starting to realize that there's things that I'm not good at anymore. Um, now that I'm more active and trying to move quicker and do more things, I start to realize, and it's still happening even to today, is the faster I try to walk, which even like I'm talking like a normal pace, my legs start to want to give out from underneath me. And it's like I start to walk it to the ground like I'm going down a flight of stairs. It's very weird. I don't understand it. Um, even to today, it's like I have trouble forming uh, complete sentences. Sometimes, not all the time. I do have sometimes days where I don't know how to sit it. There's some days where it's better than the others, but, um, yeah, I don't know if my, <coughs> that was a bad, that was a stupid cough. I'm sorry about that. My mouth is dry. So it's like the fourth week of June and I'm starting to realize as long as I, like I said, maintain consciousness of who I am and what I'm capable of, and I don't try to do too much, I can stay off the oxygen. And going to today, I don't wear the oxygen anymore when I'm walking. 
Um, I haven't taken my pulse ox in about a week, but I haven't had numbness in my fingers in a while, and that was a good tell, tell, telltale sign that I would have um, oxygen deprivation in lower levels. Um, the only things, like I said, that I'm dealing with now is... Actually, I wrote down a list of things the other day because I'm trying to keep a good mental note of what's going on. Um, Some of the things I'm doing now that I didn't really do too much before is that I repeat the same thoughts and I'm distracted by things. Um, My mood changes rapidly. I don't don't know what that means. I don't know why I wrote that. Um... Trouble reaching for words and forming coherent sentences is a big thing I do now. It's hard for me to do, especially if I try to talk quicker than I think my brain can think. Um, Like I said, when I'm walking, especially if I try to walk at a normal pace, like a normal everyday person, like super quick, I start to act like my legs start to act like they want to go down a flight of stairs. It's weird. You just have to see it to understand why I think it's weird. It's just different. Um, and I'm starting to read that these are some kid, like some things that people are having post-COVID that were on vents or had severe oxygen deprivation. Um, and I know that for at least four weeks to five weeks, actually probably more like, and I'll count this out. I know this is going to sound ignorant, but I had to count this out. So for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, for a good seven to eight weeks, I wasn't consistently in a good oxygen level. There was a lot of times that I would stay in the upper to low to mid eighties. Um, I know that up until about the middle of May, even if I had oxygen in my, and I got up to go to the bathroom to go take a, to go take a poop or a pee, I would have to bend over on my uh, bathroom sink and catch my breath only to see that my oxygen was in the mid to low seventies. Um, and that was a normal thing for a long time. And I'm starting to read stories and I'm starting to read things that talk about, um, just side effects to what happened to people that had it or are still happening. And this is new. We don't know what's going to be seen, but I'm, you know, I wanted to do this podcast because I wanted to tell my story that, you know, it's easy to give up during this fight. And I don't know if anybody's going to listen to this at any point in time and get COVID and decide that they don't want to fight to stay alive during it. Because that was, that's a decision that I don't think you, you get to necessarily make sometimes. But there certainly is a degree to how much you fight while you're sick with it. it it's the weirdest thing. You know, I've read so many stories about people that um, had loved ones that said that they didn't want to fight it. And they just succumbed to the fact that they weren't able to breathe. And they didn't try to fight it. And it ended up taking their life. Um, all the way to people like like me who I wanted to see my wife and my kids. I didn't want to give up. And although it would have been a lot easier to have given up, it didn't do it. And I'm still alive today to tell my story about it. Um, 
the weird, like I said, there are still issues that I deal with. Um, I ended up losing my job because of it. They didn't, my job didn't want to honor to keep me. And that's a whole story in and out of itself. Just ridiculous. The fact that um, they fired me the day my FMLA ran up and told me that my partner needed to have somebody there to help him. And so they needed to fire me so they could get a job posted to get him help because he's doing too much on his own. But three weeks later, after they fired me, they still haven't posted a job. And I don't think they plan on doing it anytime soon from what I can understand. But it is what it is. I mean, that that's depressed me. The fact that I breathe so out of breath when I start to get active outside, and especially in the heat, that depresses me. Um, it's it's mentally, it's a, it's it's physically and mentally right now. It's just hard. Just, uh, it's just not easy. But you can make it through it. Anybody can make it through it. Um, if you try hard enough. Now there's people, you know, unfortunately that will, that have fought really hard and they weren't able to make it. It's, it's a real thing. COVID is real. Um, and just mask up, get prepared for, you know, get prepared for it. I, I know that we were. And we still got it, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't still take the precautions. I'm not t- trying to tell people what to do now. I think now I'm just now I'm just rambling. But so that's my story. It's, you know, like I said, you can either give up when you get it, you can fight, or it just takes you. It, and it's sad because it's it's painful. I couldn't imagine what it would feel like to get to the point where some of the, where the people that have died from it that were fighting, the the pain that they had to be have gone through. It's it's like you're drowning forever, and I was lucky enough to be able to make it through. My body had enough fight left in me to make it through to where I am today. But I know, you know, this you, you see all the people that have died died fighting that had been hard and painful of a fight um i'm gonna go ahead and end this podcast here i'll share it to my social media accounts and uh i don't know if it'll be easy to find me but if you have any questions or anything Go ahead and ask that on my Twitter or my Facebook that you found this at. Um, other than that, that's it. Next episode will be a lot funner, hopefully. Um, this was something that I just needed to get off my chest and I wanted to get it out there. And that's it. Peace. Goodbye.